Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the I, it's my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto. And we are the co-founders of All 22. The season is here and All 22 is here to make sure you're ready for it. Guys, uh, let's start today by quickly running through the top All 22 scores by position. Uh, we might stop along the way to have some conversation here. But starting at quarterback, right? Let's start with Josh Allen of the Bills. Huge game from Josh Allen. 8.9, all 22 points, 91.5 grade. Uh, running back, DeAndre Swift for the Lions, 2.8 and 82.3 grade. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, 4.8, 91.1. I'll stop there. Guys, any surprises on that list? Can I just, like, jump in real quick? Yeah. I feel like we glossed over something, and, like, I feel like this was done on purpose this week. Mm-hmm. And I need to celebrate it because it never happens. Guys, I won this week, the Giants won this week, and both your teams lost. That never happens. That never happens. I'm My all-22 team won. <laughs> we we opened the podcast. I had like a shit-eating grin on my face, and that is why. That is why. So I'm not going to let you just gloss over that. But you, all right, let's, let's, we can jump back in. It, it's been like three presidential administrations since yeah. that's happened. So no, yeah, it has. let's not gloss over that either. <laughs> yeah, no, it has. And that's why I'm so happy about it. You know what I mean? Like I don't take it for granted like you guys do. There was a natural transition from Josh Allen on the Bills to dabble as the coach with a huge set of balls. Yeah. (laughs) Abrupt transition. Yeah. Yeah. Day balls. Yeah, that would have been a good transition right there. Yeah. But I think I like the way I did it. Nice and abrupt. I love it. Anyway, (laughs) Allen, Swift, Jefferson, any comments, any surprises there? I mean, no surprises. I just, uh, I like how Swift is, I mean, it's one week, right? So you never want to overreact to one week, but, uh, you know, Swift is living up to the billing or did live up to the billing at least for week one, which is good to see. Cause it's always been, Oh, he's got so much potential, but just hasn't quite performed up to it yet. And whether that's just the lions team around him or, or just, you know, being a young player in general that needs to grow, it's good to see a strong performance from him. Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, I feel like we've come to expect by now. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to put the surprise label next to anybody in that group, it has to be Deandre Swift. Right. I mean, it's funny, I, I took him in like all my drafts because I, I do believe in his skill set, right? I love that he's got that receiving skill set too. And now he's got a check down quarterback in Jared Goff that's only going to juice his grade up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that for DeAndre Swift. I know some people got on my case for taking him maybe higher than other running backs. I won't mention any names. Um, but yeah, it's only one week, small sample size, but he's on the right track. So my surprise would have been Justin Jefferson, right? Playing against the Packers, I'm all about matchups, and he torched us. Absolutely torched us, and it was embarrassing. Uh, Packers coaches need to go home and, and watch like 10 hours of film to get over that one. 
Um, but moving forward, we got Travis Kelsey at tight end. Again, I don't think any surprise there. He got 3.1 all 22 points and a 92.1 PFF grade. Uh, Laramie Tunzel at tackle, 4.3 points and a 92.1 grade. Uh, Wyatt Teller, 85.9 and a 3.3 uh, all 22 score. And then Creed Humphrey, 2.2 points and a 74.7. So, guys, let's talk about the offensive line for a minute. So, for the listeners out there hearing that Creed Humphrey was our top center with a 74.7 grade, uh, Wyatt Teller at 85.9, and Laramie Tunzel at 82.4. Those aren't exactly like eye-popping numbers compared to what we saw at quarterback and receiver and what we will see from some of the defenders. What happened this week with offensive linemen? I think it takes a little while to gel, right? I think um, I think I think I saw Duke Manyweather post like. You know, it takes, you know, six six weeks or so for an offensive line to really be what they're going to be to kind of reach that. So uh, I think week one, this is this probably should have been expected. We probably should have <laughs> warned everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just the way the way it's going to go. Yeah, these, these guys also didn't, you know, these names that we're hearing, they, they didn't play much in the preseason, if at all, right? And that's the most physical position. You're close to the ball. You're hitting someone on every single play. You kind of need to get used to that you can't just sort of you know roll out of bed and jump right into it uh week one so yeah i think it's just a matter of just getting comfortable with it again and getting used to you know to working the double teams and things with your line mates and just getting comfortable with that chemistry it'll come in due time um so yeah it's probably something to think about overall heading into you know the early part of the season when you're putting together an all 22 team yeah, and this week was kind of an anomaly in itself. Only two tackles graded above an 80. That was Larry Tunzel uh, from Houston and Brian O'Neill from the Vikings. And then, you know, the young stars, we did see some good things, right? So, like, people this year were drafting guys like Penny Sewell, Andrew Thomas, uh, Tristan Wirfs, and uh, Rayshon Slater pretty early. And, you know, week one with every all the offensive line struggles that we saw, those were not guys that did, right? They they played really high. Uh, Bobby, you got to be excited about Andrew Thomas, right? Oh, my God. Watching, watching like people post like the ultimate two clips of Andrew Thomas just straight bullying people was mm-hmm. was awesome. I mean, given it's it's Bud Dupree, it's not exactly Miles Garrett, but at the same time, really good to see what he him do what he should be doing. And I think he was the third highest graded tackle um, in PFF this week. So awesome to see, really exciting. Yeah, I remember like that Max Crosby conversation last year, right? Like he was winning against maybe lesser talent. That's why everybody was saying that his grade was so high, but like he was winning, right? Like he doesn't get to choose his opponent every week. It's about winning. And I think seeing Andrew Thomas do that is huge. And those four guys that we just talked about, right. They all graded about uh, 79, a little higher. So they all came out with 4.1, all 22 points, which is, which is really good. Um, Guards is kind of a similar story. We only had five guys with that 80 plus mark. That was Wyatt Teller in Cleveland, Nate Davis in Tennessee. Our boy Q in Indy, Connor Williams in Miami. We know that he uh, played center, but he's still a guard. Um, and then Dylan Parham from Vegas, right? So only five guys grading over an 80. And then, again, just you know, don't want to beat a dead horse, but Creed Humphrey being the only center to come close to a 75 is, is absurd. We had him as the number one ranked center, and we actually got a lot more grief for that than I thought we would. Mm-hmm. A lot of people calling for Frank Ragnow, some other guys. Um, Who's the guy in L.A. the Chargers used to play for you guys, Chris? Uh, Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley. Like, absolutely guys in that conversation, but him doing this so young is exactly why we had him as number one. Week one, 
too early to celebrate, you know what I mean? But still, um, seeing those things exactly is exactly why we had them there. Yep, exactly. So now let's look at the flip side, right? Offensive linemen's underperformed. What what did we see on the defensive side of the ball? We saw defensive interiors and edge rushers just bully offensive linemen. Um, for defensive interior players, we had 11 players with an 80-plus grade, and we actually had four guys over a 90. So, again, for context, there wasn't a single offensive lineman this week that graded over a 90, and there was four defensive interiors. That's not even talking about the edge rushers. There was 15 edge rushers with an 80-plus grade and six with a 90-plus grade. That's insane. Unreal. Yeah, and it's it's it's. I think we see year over year, like especially on on the edge, those edge rushers just become more freaky in their athleticism. It's just like there's another you know couple freak athletes every single draft on the edge, and it's just you know they're so big, they're so fast. If you're an offensive lineman that hasn't been hitting in camp and hasn't gotten your feet wet in the preseason, aren't used to it. I mean that speed just really just sort of flies by you, and and you get those high grades especially early on. So. Um, yeah, I think it's just we should take some time to appreciate more than we do the quality of edge players we have in the league right now because it is a sight to behold if you really think about how big and fast and athletic these guys are and how complete of a performance they're putting out on the field that you know they actually are. It's it's pretty remarkable to watch. To that point, Ray, like seeing athletes sort of like seeing that position get much more athletic, right? I think it's the Ravens. I could be wrong. But they had like a quarterback receiver hybrid that like like transitioned into an edge rusher. And like they showed some clips of him and like he looks really good. This is a guy that used to play a, a skill position now tra- like you know, transitioning to an, an, an edge rusher mm-hmm. and doing it very well. So, yeah, to Ray's point, like we're seeing athletes there, just freaks. And I think that's uh, I think right now we're starting to see some of the results. Yeah, players go where the money is, right? So we might see guys that traditionally would have tried to play linebacker saying, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gain 20 pounds and I'm gonna earn a lot more money if I go try to play edge." Um, we said all the time on offense, right, with running back saying, "I can earn a lot more trying to be a receiver, so I'm gonna go try to be a receiver." Um, but is there anybody on this list that you guys want to call out? You know, we talk a lot about the Giants, but Quinn and Williams for the Jets. Jets fans have to be ecstatic, right? It's been a long wait to see that kind of a performance from Quinn and. Um, and then guys like the the interiors in Baltimore, right? Like just stepping up and doing an incredible job, both of them. And then uh, Bobby Jeffrey Simmons, right? Like I bet you saw a lot of him on Sunday. Uh, what did, what did you see? Too much. He was talk about disruptive. He was just. I mean, if you look at the first half of the game, especially, we couldn't. Giants couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything. You keep seeing his red arm sleeves, his red cleats coming through the line, and you know exactly who that is. Somebody that big should not be that athletic. And it's just, yeah, he's, he's just a monster. Uh, I don't even know that I have a really good look at, at what the, uh, at what the Giants offensive line looks like yet, because mm-hmm. they're not going to go up against Jeffrey Simmons every week. You know what I mean? So um, I think, I think he's a freak. And um, I think you gotta, gotta take that into consideration when you analyze the, you know, the offensive line play for the Giants. Yeah, and Ray, so like Grady Jarrett, right? You're the guy that hates old guys, so I'm going to give you Grady Jarrett. Like, I think we we might have underestimated him this year in our rankings, but he's just so consistent, right? When you look at his player card, when you click in and you see what he does season over season, it's it's remarkable. So tell me, like, did we underrate Grady Jarrett? He's not 30 yet. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still in his 20s, just very late 20s. So For you, that's uh, 90. 
Yeah, I guess, but he's not a hundred, so you know it's fine right now. But uh, yeah, he's he's super consistent, right? And and he just earns high marks both against the run and the pass. The pass rusher, he is very disruptive. He's you know he's a shorter guy, right? He's got that leverage. He just wins with leverage on the inside. He's just super disruptive and probably one of those guys that uh, you know those guards on the interior just hate facing. He's so annoying. Gets under your pass. He's quick off the line, and it's just sort of a menace to deal with snap after snap after snap. So. Uh, yeah, it's not a surprise to see him up there now since he is still in his 20s. Um, and then I'm also going to you know, shout out DJ Reader. Uh, I think he's probably the most underappreciated or you know, just most overlooked defensive interior player in the league. And he's another one who's just super consistent, uh, you know, does his job, great against the run, uh, and just is never really mentioned with the top guys at that position. So I'm going to give uh, DJ Reader a shout out as well. I love it. I love it. So Jeffrey Simmons was the number one defensive interior this week. And on the edge, it was Miles Garrett, right? And I guess, you know, no surprise there. He was our number one rated edge, 94.4 PFF grade. That is incredible. That is not something you see often. Um, But, you know, maybe we should get used to it with Miles Garrett. If you drafted him in the first round and passed on Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself this week. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point because we did see a lot of people doing that, right? And it was good for 5.7 points, which I think is more than Aaron Rodgers got me at quarterback with his almost 10% calculation. Yeah, As long as you didn't end up with Dak Prescott and doing that strategy and coming back to a quarterback later, then you made out pretty well. <laughs> that's a good point. So moving on from there, Ernest Jones, guy that, you know, nobody really talks about, 3.9, all 22 points in a 91 grade. Uh, DJ Reed Jr., first game as a Jet, 4.1, all 22 points in a 90.3 PFF grade. And then uh, Forrest in Washington, the safety, uh, 3.5, all 22 points in a 91.5 grade. So just like incredible performances from some guys that, you know, we weren't hyping up and we didn't maybe get uh, in the right spots before the season. But, you know, that's what football is, right? Things things develop and new guys' names are going to show, especially at those athletic positions. Yeah, it's funny, Chris, you mentioned a friend sent, sent in a picture of, like, the top ads of the week and not knowing any of the players on that list. Like, that's what this game is kind of about, you know, like kind of sh- shedding or shining some light on guys that, you know, maybe, maybe go other, overlooked otherwise, you know. There's a lot of good players in this league, and you really only know about, you know, a low percentage of them. So pretty cool to see that. Absolutely. Yep, got to turn over every stone. Um, so if, if you already had Ernest Jones on your roster before week one, which we actually did have a few users who who did and called that out, that is kudos and bravo to you. I, I have to go grind more tape then because you are far ahead of me. But great job for anyone who did. I want to double check to see if anybody actually started them. That would be a masterpiece. I think we did have one, right? Didn't yeah. someone reach out to showing the oh, really? lineup? And yeah. So. After like our first grade release tweet, somebody was like, I had, I had Ernest Jones. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. That is so cool. <laughs> I love that. And linebacker needs it. You know, it's not a deep position at all. So if, if you could have a young guy like that to emerge, that that's pretty awesome. So obviously it's week one. You don't want to overreact to anything and everything you see, but it's a heck of a start. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then moving on to some of the rookies, right? So none of the rookies made the um, this list of top players, but we had Abraham Lucas uh, as our offensive rookie of the week uh, tackle out of Seattle. I talked a lot about Charles Cross, who also performed pretty well, but Lucas outdid him 
with a 75.5 PFF grade and 3.9 all 22 points. Um, credible f- performance by him. I thought he he did a great job holding his own against a pretty pretty good pass rush in Denver. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball, we had Edge Dominique Robinson for the Chicago Bears, who came out of nowhere. Hon- honest to God, just like we were saying before, I never heard of him, right? And he came out, put up an 89.8 PFF grade, good for 5.4, all 22 points. Incredible, incredible performances by those guys. See somebody like that, it's, worth, it's, it's really worth an ad, especially if you just lost somebody to IR and you have a space. Why not? Absolutely. And actually, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you guys that. Week one, how are you spending your waiver wire budget, right? Like you see a guy like that, what, what, kind, of, what kind of budget are you putting on him? We play with each other, so it's like we play in the league with each other. So it's like, well, you guys saw what I did. Yeah. I, I I put seventy five blind bid dollars on Ernest Johnson because of what you guys said, right? He is a linebacker uh, at a time when there are not a lot of good young linebackers, right? So if if week one's a fluke, right? I lost a little less than a third of my blind bid points, but if he's a hit, I'm gaining a, an incredibly young player at an incredibly important position. At a decent price, so I'll take it. Yeah, that's, that's steep, and and you're ending it in a hole like a five or a zero. Like I'll never, I'll never do that because I always feel like if I bid like seventy six, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna like get you by one dollar. You know what I mean? But if someone was willing to outbid me, I was gonna welcome it because I spent I spent a lot, right? Yeah, I've 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 tried to basically self discipline myself in not making waiver wire bids unless it's in response to an injury on my team because I have been burned in the past by jumping on performances too early. Um, but I will say for Abraham Lucas, right? I mean, Chris, especially you and I, like we, we've talked about him and we've liked him for a while. Like mm-hmm. we're sitting there watching the NFL comment, like who's this guy from Washington State moving this this well, this fluidly, right? He's, he's a pretty good athlete here. Nobody's watching him play college football at like 1030 at, at night, you know, kickoff time over here on the East Coast. So, you know, and then we went back and watched him and it's like, yeah, you can't get much from that, from that offense and what they're asked to do, but he's doing his job. He's doing it well. He moves well. It's a pretty good player. So he's, he, he kind of became someone we targeted late in our rookie drafts mm-hmm. in, in some of the leagues we're in. Um, so I do have some shares of him already in, in some other leagues. I'm definitely very excited about that. Uh, so uh, me personally didn't make uh, many waiver wire moves unless it was to cover for an injury this week. But definitely, just want to highlight Abraham Lucas, and you know, I think he's here to stay. And that's that one is not a not a week one type fluke. I think he's been showing uh, positive signs for a while throughout the whole uh, you know draft process and preseason, and now he's a starter as a rookie week one. And I think it's only up from here. Our friend, our friend Brian from Legit Football was like super high on him in our draft. Like he came off the board, and he was like, "Great, now I can finally talk about him." And yeah, he was a, a big Abraham Lucas guy. Yeah. So give, give credit. I'll give credit where it's due. He called it. Yeah. Shout out to Brian at legit yeah. football. Um, yeah. Abraham Lucas, you know, and I think if you're a Seattle fan, you have to be so excited. Right. And like, it was a tough off season for them, right? Like losing a franchise, potentially hall of fame quarterback uh, is, is not something easy to swallow. But when you come away from that draft with two starting tackles, when you haven't had a good one in a long time, it's got to feel good. Imagine if they had that for Russ. We keep saying it. We keep saying it. <laughs> it's like I'm having like Andrew Luck flashbacks when you say that, right? Yeah. 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 
All right. So projecting forward, let's let's switch gears a little bit. So each week we're going to try our best to release kind of like a stardom for each position. And we'll talk about these guys and the opportunities they have in these weeks. So um, guys, I'm going to start off and I'm actually going to start off asking you a question about quarterback. So last week, I'll give you guys credit. You guys called it Jameis Winston. Uh, I, was, I was shocked, right? I think I even said nobody starting Jameis in week one this season. He was coming off of that injury, uh, new head coach. I, I wasn't buying it, but he came in there. I think he was our fifth graded uh, quarterback. So do you think he's going to repeat? No, no, he's not. Uh, not against the Bucs. Um, yeah, it's just that simple. No. I think he had a good matchup. I, I liked him heading into last week. Um, definitely would not start him this week. I mean, if, if you're one of the few guys, maybe you had Dak Prescott as your starter and then you had Jameis as like a veteran backup, and now you have no choice. I get it, but I wouldn't if, – if I could help it and I had better options, I would not be starting Jameis this week. I think, I think if you have to start him, like you feel good about his floor being a little bit higher than maybe you thought it was coming into the season because now you've seen that he can do – what he just did. So mm-hmm. um, if he's available, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's available in some leagues and you want to add him as a backup. I think he's definitely worthy of, of that, but no, I'm, I'm probably not starting him until I see more of it. Yeah. That's a good point though. You, you maybe he's a great player to put in that two slot, right? Because we are, we do have that auto sub functionality. People might be able to benefit from having him there. And then I wanted to ask you guys about Carson Wentz, kind of same thing, right? Another guy that you guys called last week and said, I think he's going to do better than people think. Bobby, I know you've been riding the Carson Carson Wentz bus for a long time. So tell me, do you think he's going to repeat his success from week one? Yeah, I I, I do feel pretty good about Carson Wentz. Just because, like, if you see him at the end of the season last year with the Colts, he graded very well. Like, he was one of, like, the the top-graded quarterbacks for PFF in, like, the last eight weeks of the season or so. Um, So it confused me that the Colts got rid of him. I didn't think that was the right move. I, I, I do honestly feel like they downgraded at quarterback. Anyway, I feel like Carson's in a really good situation. Offensive line's pretty good. We just saw he's got a weapon in Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson was ridiculous, and I think that only helps him. And it's like they have an immediate rapport now, which is really great to see for Carson Wentz. So I feel really good about him moving forward. Yeah, and to add to that, it was great to see Curtis Samuel healthy, right? Like yeah. he hasn't been there for, for that team since they've, they got him and uh, seeing him healthy just shows like how dynamic that offense can really be. But it's my pick and Bobby, you're going to make this pretty hard considering what you just said, but Matt Ryan on the Colts going against (laughs) the Jags this week. I think it's an easy bounce back game for Matt Ryan. I think week one was tough. He had a tough matchup. I will say they underperformed as an offense. That offensive line got bullied, but I don't think the same thing happens against the Jags. I think they take advantage of a weak secondary, and I think Matt Ryan has his bounce back game. Jaguars have a 38.8 team coverage grade. So if Matt Ryan can't can't grade above a 75 this week, get rid of him. <laughs> get, <laughs> get rid of him. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, Ray, I think you had running back. Yeah, I, I really like uh, Joe Mixon this week. I think an overshadowed storyline – due to the DAC injury and the ineptness of the Cowboys offense was that Dallas looked pretty soft against the run versus an undermanned Tampa Bay offensive line. Um, and now, you know, this week, uh, going with the backup quarterback for the entirety of the game, that offense won't sustain anything. So that defense will eventually wear out and the holes for Mixon will just be larger and larger as the game goes on. 
Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons can't do everything themselves, and nobody else on that defense stepped up. And I have a hard time seeing someone else step up again this week. So I think uh, the defense as a whole is in for a long day, and I think uh, Mixon's going to benefit from it. That defense could be on the field for a long time, too. You know? Yeah. Not going to be fun. defense is going to be exhausted, and I think that's, that's probably the way to do it if you're the Bengals, too. Not that not that you have to be a, you know worried about Joe Burrow throwing four picks, whatever it was, last week. But like if you can wear down the Dallas defense and just run the ball down their throat, do it. You know, I think I think Mixon will benefit from that. It's a good that's a good pick, Ray. Agreed. And Ray, I think you had receiver too, so back to back picks for you. Yeah, just keep going. Uh, I think this one's uh, relatively simple. I like Josh Palmer. Uh, San Diego is going to be without Keenan Allen, so he's going to get a bigger role in the offense uh, against the Chiefs. But the Chiefs also lost Trent McDuffie. And Mike Williams should be drawing the most attention in coverage. So I think it's a good opportunity for Josh Palmer to step up uh, against a favorable matchup again, you know, for the opposing secondary or against the opposing secondary rather. Um, so I like his game a lot. Uh, I've always wanted to, him to, you know, get more touches and see what he can do with them. I think now is an opportunity for him to really break out, and it's a pretty favorable matchup to do so. Yeah, and and Josh Palmer's a great. Uh... A great story. He was Austin Gale's guy. I remember uh, before the draft, that was Austin Gale's boy, and he was hyping him up. Uh, Austin Gale now at the ringer, but at the time he was a PFF employee. And uh, yeah, he loved Josh Palmer and watching his, I watched his film because of what Austin was saying. And yeah, he can absolutely do it in the NFL. He could do it in this league. Uh, so I'm excited to see him get that opportunity. Remember, uh, we, we do this thing every year, me, Chris Ray, and Chris's brother-in-law, we put in an Excel sheet, um, somebody in the draft that you probably haven't heard of that's going to be good, right? Or you think is going to be good, if like a hunch, right? Like I put Demetric Felton, and I think your brother-in-law put in Josh Palmer. Do you remember that, Chris? Yeah, I do. He didn't know so, that we had already heard of him, but yeah. 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 <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Shout out to Greg. Yeah. Or we can cut that and, you know, you have to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, I'm going to hand you a uh, tight end. You got it. Um, I'm going Mo Alley Cox. All right. Before I dive into Mo Alley Cox, because I really do like him, something noteworthy that I saw when I was going through the tight end position: three Chiefs tight ends graded in the top 15 for run blocking for tight ends. All of them had a 70 grade or above in run blocking, which is unreal. Mm-hmm. And like these guys were playing like a good 15, 20 snaps. This is not like a oh, one snap got a 90. No, no, no. These guys are contributing with their snaps and grading very well in the run for tight end. So whoever that tight ends coach is, whatever they're doing is just unreal. Uh, but I thought that was really eye-opening. Uh, but Mo Cox is my guy. I think he's almost becoming like an every week starter at tight end for this format just because he can do everything, right? He's got a high floor. He grades, you know, almost 70s almost every week. If you look back throughout his career, He's 70-plus almost every season. Um, grades well in the run game. Uh, grades well in the pass. He's 29 years old. He's got tons of experience, and so does his quarterback, although, again, I'm not a huge believer in him. But this Jags defense, like you talked about, Chris, is young, inexperienced, and bad. They're still figuring things out, and it's very clear, right? I mentioned that 38.8 team coverage grade for the Jags, for the Jaguars. Um, I think if there's going to be a combo to take advantage of that, it's going to be those experienced guys like a 29-year-old tight end and, and Matt Ryan. Um, 
And then I, I mentioned um, Mo Alley Cox's run blocking grade, right? This team does not play the run very well either. 50.8 run defense grade, that's like middle end of the pack. Um, and their total defensive grade is a 54.2. That's 27th in the whole league. So mm-hmm. defense is a mess. It's still early in the season. I think it's a good time to start Mo Alley Cox. Yeah. And, dude, I'm so happy that you brought up run blocking for tight ends, right? We we posted a clip earlier this week of Leonard Fournette doing, a, like, a nice chip shot on Micah Parsons. And, you know, Micah Parsons thought it was a cheap shot. We don't need to get into that. But the only reason I'm bringing it up is because we said, wouldn't it be great if you got fantasy points for this block? Same goes for tight ends, right? And uh, when you're playing traditional fantasy football – you you have to go for Kyle Pitts. You have to go for Travis Kelsey, and that's great. Those those guys are fantastic football players. They will absolutely grade well in this this format too. But there are so many other tight ends that will grade well in our format because of what what they do when the ball's not in their hands. Um, and I think Mo Ali Cox is a great example of that. So Bobby, yeah, hit it on the head with that one. Yeah. Uh, but you also had tackle, so let's go to tackle. Absolutely. So. I have Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle for the Chicago Bears. You saw Tevin Jenkins last week. He was an absolute bully. Um, He was a bully and lined up against Nick Bosa the entire game, which is like, who does that? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite all 22 clips from this week was Tevin Jenkins putting Nick Bosa on his ass with some help from his, from his guard, but then, you know, looking around for more work. Uh, Justin Fields, obviously a mobile quarterback, goes for you know goes to scramble, and who's right out in front of him, lead blocking downfield, Tevin Jenkins. Um, I love to see that. Uh, even when I, even when we play pickup sports, I always say I'll take the hustle player over the skill player any day. And Tevin Jenkins, I think, has both, which is really cool to see. And and, and you see that it influence his grade. Um, he had a really balanced performance, seventy four point four in the run block, uh, seventy one point seven in pass block. And he goes up against the Packers this week, who ranked 29th in run defense. Sorry, Chris. But I think that's a really good matchup for a tackle that's looking to be a dominant uh, run blocker in the league. I agree with that take, you know, unfortunately. Um, and you know what? It's funny because I, it didn't fit my narrative before, but he was actually the next guy in that group with those young tackles. His name absolutely could have been mentioned with them, right? He he. Last week, he performed at that level. So another guy that if you're looking at looking for a young tackle and he's available, pick him up. Go, go do it because he he showed that he can. Um, cool. So, Ray, you got guard. Yeah, I, I like Trey Turner this week. I feel like he's been a forgotten man really for the last, like, two years. Um, but I think the Lions are still pretty soft up front against the run still. I like their young pieces. Obviously, Hutchinson, I think, is going to be a really good player. I really like Aline McNeil's potential, but they're not there yet. Uh, Philly ran all over them this past week, and I don't expect that type of dominant performance from uh, Washington. But, you know, Trey Turner is a quality run blocker, often forgotten, but uh, I think that can shine through here in this type of matchup, in this type of setting, this early in the season. Um, so I'm going to go with Trey Turner as sort of a sneaky start here at guard where it's not the deepest position in the league. And so if you need a second guard to, to put into your lineup this week, I think he's going to fill that pretty well. Agreed. So I'm going to move to uh, center. I'm going to take center. So last week, Lloyd Cushenberry went up against Seattle and he did okay, right? He got a 66.1 PFF grade. 
But when you think about that in relation to how all of the centers performed, it's really not that bad, right? It's it's a 60 is essentially average. So he was technically above average, although it didn't blow anybody away. But this week he has a Houston defense that plays uh, the middle of the their defensive interiors are essentially one of their weakest spots, right? They had a couple edge rushers last week, but I don't think that should affect Cushenberry at all. Um, and I think the matchup just makes a lot of sense here. So watch for Lloyd Cushenberry to have a great game. I think Denver is going to be looking for a big bounce back after a devastating loss last week in, in Russ's opener. So just expect them to be really hungry. Yeah, I like that pick. I, I, don't, see, um, I don't see Denver struggling the way they did in week one. I think things are going to start to come together. So talk about wanting to have a part of a good offense, part of a good offensive line. I think Cushenberry's a good pick. Yep. And I'm going to, I'm going to continue this along in the defensive interior, jumping to the defensive side. So on defense and especially for defensive interiors, I love starting players that line up like next to a superstar. Um, we see it all the time with like guys that line up next to Aaron Donald, but this time I'm going with, uh, I'm going with, Grove Stewart lining up next to next to DeForest Buckner for the Colts, right? Uh, last week, he had a 70 grade against the Texans, which was good. But this week, he goes against a Jags offensive line that essentially fell apart last week. Um, it was it was Brandon Sheriff's first game on the Jags, and he had a 54 grade. That was the best of all of their three interior offensive linemen. The other two didn't grade above a 50. So... It was against a tough Washington, but I don't think India is any uh, cakewalk. So I expect Grover Stewart to have a really good game with Buckner getting a lot of double teams next week. Grover Stewart was my star last week, just so you know. Really? Count it. Yeah. Dude, great, great call. I feel like we could have a really long podcast episode about our starts from last week. I think we did really well. And that just means we're probably just going to get clobbered this week and just get <laughs> yeah. right back down to earth. Yeah. So if you're listening, take all of this with a mountain of salt, but <laughs> we can continue. All right, right. Continue with the edge. And a nice homer pick, by the way. So, yeah, so this, it's it, it sounds like a bit of a contradiction based on what I said when I picked Joe Mixon, but I'm going to go with Demarcus Lawrence on the edge. He's always super reliable, grades very well. It feels like he's been 29 years old for like the last four years, so I feel like that's why he's never drafted as highly as he should be. Um, but he will line up on the left side of the defense over the right tackle, and Lyle Collins did not have a good game last week. Um, it didn't grade well really as a run or pass blocker. He really just didn't look all the way back from his offseason injuries uh, that have been you know mentioned throughout the summer. Uh, and so I mentioned before that you know Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons can't do everything for that defense, but I think Demarcus Lawrence can do his part and turn in a strong individual performance against what really is literally just a banged up opponent, uh, you know, opposite him that did not have a strong showing last week. So um, I think individually, Demarcus Lawrence is going to play well and what's probably going to be a tough day for the Cowboys. You said that those are the only two guys that are going to be able to, or that are going to work for that defense. So I noticed you left out uh, Trayvon Diggs. Is there a reason behind that? I mean, he'll. I mean, he's going to go up against Jamar Chase. That that didn't work out well for him in college. Um, you know, unless it's. Well, I, I would say unless it's you know even Jalen Ramsey, I'm probably not. Uh, you know, going to start or really you know run to the podium to start a corner going up against Jamar Chase and that really the Bengals receiving corn passing attack as a whole. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not picking anybody lining up against mm. those guys if I don't I have like, to. I feel like you're backpedaling a little bit. I feel like last week you told me and Chris that he was like an auto starter every week. Like he only been mess with them. He just won. I, I never said that. I never said that. Week. You can check the podcast tapes. And, you check Twitter. I and then he puts that. up like a third. Now it's a private conversation. And then he puts up like a third. <laughs> he puts up like a thirty grade. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, maybe we dial it back. I also remember that. So yeah, yeah, yeah that never happened. <laughs> awesome. All right, Bobby, take linebacker for us. Uh, linebacker, I'm going Logan Wilson. Uh, Logan Wilson took advantage of an offense with a, I would say a below average quarterback in week one against Pittsburgh. I'm still not like a Mitch Trubisky believer, Mm -hmm. um, but he did work. Uh, he had a ridiculous 79.9 coverage grade in week one, which for a linebacker is just unreal. Uh, he was second among all linebackers with an 86.7 overall grade. Um, I think we're seeing the best of Logan Wilson to start the season. And, Ray, not to keep, you know, uh, piling on to you, but uh, they are playing the Cowboys this week. I do like the matchup. Um, I feel like they're playing now going from a below-average quarterback to probably a not-good quarterback in Cooper Rush. Although, don't really know, you know, what he is at this point, but um, I do like the matchup still. Um, I like Logan Wilson a lot this week. Start him. It's definitely still a step down from uh, from Trubisky, and I think yeah, uh, you know there were some comments from I think it was Devin White in Tampa too, uh, basically just saying that based off of their matchup last year, they had the Cowboys' offense figured out even with Dak, and I think we saw that right that the offense really wasn't doing much even when Dak was still in the game. And I, I think the league has caught on to Kellen Moore's tendencies, and he hasn't really evolved. And so I, I think op- opponents have them figured out. And if you have a coordinator figured out and it's they're starting their backup quarterback and their offensive line is banged up and they only have one threat on the outside at receiver, it's it's a recipe for, for a good day on defense. Yeah, maybe just start all of your Bengals players. <laughs> and <laughs> just start the Bengals. <laughs> and I think it's a little unfair to just throw that on uh, Kellen Mond because Kellen Mond, oh my gosh. More, more. Kellen Moore, sorry, everyone. It's not everyone. Thanksgiving, Chris, not Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, to your point, right, you get rid of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup isn't healthy. He has C.D. Lamb, who's a great receiver, but like that is a lot of weight to put on a third-year receiver's shoulders just to carry an offense, right? Like Seattle trying to do that with D.K. Metcalf is obviously not going to work. I just don't see that much of a difference with what Dallas is trying to do. Yeah, the, the league... If for as much as scoring has has increased in the league and it's so offense centric and with the rules and everything else, defenses have evolved to a point where if you're a team and you have just one really good receiver, that's that's not enough anymore. You know, it, it just isn't unless you have the top quarterbacks, right? I'm talking literally Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, and and maybe Josh Allen, right? And Aaron Rodgers. That, that's it. Aaron Rodgers. I, I I didn't see that this uh, this past week. So um, that was his preseason game. Come on, and that's actually a good point because this happened last year, and and they went on to be the number one seed in the NFC. So could be, but yeah, defenses have evolved. Where back in the days, if you had one legitimate Pro Bowl top ten type receiver, you could build a good passing attack around that. You can't do that anymore in the league. The defenses have caught up in that regard, and the Cowboys did that on purpose. So they pretty much deserve what they're getting, and that's why I'm just going to be grinding away at uh, uh, the draft tape for the next uh, seven months or so here, starting uh, 
two days ago. Do you think the season's over? You're a Cowboys fan. Oh yeah, they'll win a few over. meaningless games, and you know it's 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 done. I'm I'm on to 2023. I can't wait till April. <laughs> cool. Best time of the year, pre-draft season, baby. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to cornerback. So Ray, I made fun of you before for making a homer pick with Demarcus Lawrence, but I'm gonna do the same thing with Razul Douglas for the Packers. Uh, last week he had a really tough matchup. You know, all of the Green Bay DBs did with a, a really strong Vikings receiving core. Uh, they got beat up a little bit, but Douglas still had a respectable game. I think this week going against the Bears is going to be a cakewalk in comparison, right? And just remember, you still have Jari Alexander and Eric Stokes that are going to be going against Darnell Mooney, where Rasul Douglas is going to be going against maybe St. Brown and Dante, Dante Pettis. It's not the the class of receiver that is going to put fear in a guy like Douglas. So um, expect great matchups all all game and for the Packers DBs to really step it up. If you're looking for a guy to put into your slot corner role, right, uh, go after a guy like Rasul Douglas. Would you recommend putting him at like your like one on the depth chart and like just seeing if like, hey, if he does get the snap count minimum, like, great, I'm getting more weight from him. And if he doesn't, he's just going to, you know, kind of come back to my slot. Like, would you play it that way if you're an all 22 user? It's interesting. I think I think we spoke about this yesterday when we were just kind of coming up with a plan for this, right? We didn't want to give – we don't want to give, like, uh, meatballs to our, to our listeners, right? We don't want to give them Pat Sertan or Jalen Ramsey if they're in a good matchup. But if you have a guy like that, you have to start him in your, in your one slot, right? And I think most teams will have a guy – that I would start in my one spot, right? Whether that's AJ Terrell, Jari Alexander, one of those guys that we mentioned before. Um, but I would feel very confident putting him at my two spot, which has the same weight and doing what you said, where if he doesn't, you know, meet it, move him down to three. Yeah. I think that, that's a, probably a really good strategy. Um, we move on to uh, safety now. Yeah. All you. Safety. I have Deron Harmon. Um, 31-year-old safety. Past 8 to 10 years or so, he's graded in the 70s throughout almost his entire career. One one down year in like the 50s, 60s, but 70s for pretty much his entire career. Put up a 69 and a half, completely on par for him last, last week against the Chargers, which is like pretty damn good for, um, for, the, for going up against that passing attack. Now Harmon gets... The Cardinals this week, who looked awful in week one. Um, they must have released a new Call of Duty early or something like that because <laughs> Kyler Murray didn't really look that great. Mm. Um, their passing attack ranks 23rd in the league um, from a, a PFF standpoint. Um, so I would say look for Harmon to maintain some consistent play, probably get you in that you know, 75, 80 range this week. So you're looking for him. Uh, if you're looking for a starter at safety, don't have that no-brainer no brainer starter, um, I would suggest Deron Harmon for sure. It's a good pick. And when we talk about, like, uh, offenses that are just getting, you know, that are missing key pieces, right? Them without Hopkins and, obviously, Christian Kirk leaving. Uh, you still have A.J. Green, but it's it's really just Marquise Brown at this point. Uh, and then the running game, right? They're starting some, some older players that don't really get you too excited. I think – you know, Benjamin had a ton of snaps last week, and he actually performed pretty well, but he's not putting fear in me. Uh, so, yeah, great pick uh, on your end, and I think it's a perfect matchup for him. All right, so I think that's all we had for this week. Guys, anything else you're excited about? 
Yeah, just uh, you know Thursday night football coming up to kick off the week, right? It's two really good teams uh, in in the Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, Going to be a fun matchup. Great quarterbacks. Amazon Prime, right? The new lineup, the debut of of uh, Thursday night football uh, on Prime this season. So that's fun. And then uh, similar to what we say on our uh, calendar on the site, right? Head into the weekend, watch a ton of college football on Saturday, and then watch a ton of NFL football on Sunday. So another week is upon us. Uh, everyone has a week under their belt. Might see some uh, better quality football here moving forward. So, yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait. Yeah, Rice, just speaking of the side before we go, I just want to make note, like, we, we've we gotten some, uh, some, some messages about our IR feature. Um, we're aware of the issue that we, we've been having with certain guys listed as IR players who are not on IR or vice versa. Um, that is something that we're working out, and we're going to get that fixed for you guys before the week starts. So no worries. We're on it. We've heard you. Um, you're going to be good to go. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you're checking your team each week. Uh, set your depth chart. Pick your formation. And uh, definitely make some trades. You're, you're you know, your league mates out there are just like they're salivating, waiting for your trade offers to come in. So make sure you're getting out there and doing it. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at all 22 underscore PFF. And sorry, I can't forget TikTok. Uh, leave a review for our podcast on YouTube, Apple, or whichever platform you listen to. And thanks again for tuning in. I'm a